Welcome to Growth Colony, Australia's B2B podcast. I'm Alex from Xgrowth. Each episode, we bring you B2B founders, CMOs, marketing and sales leaders to find out what makes them successful and what was behind their failures, or as we like to call them, hard-learned lessons. If you enjoy the episode, please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and share the pod with a friend you think could get value out of it. And of course, make sure to join the community Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. That's enough from me though, let's dive right in. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Growth Colony Podcast. I'm Shane Hoda with X-Growth and today I'm talking to Carlota Flew, Global Markets Marketing Leader for 3D Printing and Digital Manufacturing at HP about how B2B marketers should approach Japanese and Korean markets because as we all know, they are two very hard nuts to crack and I'm super excited to have a chat about this with Carlota. Carlota, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Shaheen, for inviting me. No, it's an absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned just just right now, I think Korea and Japan are two very, very challenging and very different markets, right? I I know a lot of people where where we are in Australia, it might be the APJ headquarters would be either in Australia or Singapore. And sometimes the J, Japan, is just thrown in there just because it's close and they're like, all right, you cover that area as well. But there are vast differences in the market, right? So mm-hmm. putting the Indian market, the Australian market, and the Japanese market in one bucket, it's a, it's, it's quite a challenge. And especially the, the, the Korean Japanese market. So I, I, I love to, you know, kind of start exploring with what has traditionally been the, your approach or HP's approach to the Japanese and the Korean market? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, I joined this team at HP just when the pandemic was starting. And what I inherited is a, a, a team of film marketers that were doing mostly events. And, and, and also, as a consequence, our partners were, uh, were used to that formula no, of us doing events, trying to be in all the possible face-to-face interactions and very bond to having face-to-face interaction to be able to generate quality leads or even to accelerate opportunities, no? And the way that these events were designed were as, as a one-off activities, no? So it was like a like a field of one-off events here and there, one-off activities here and there, no? And um, when I joined the team, um, obviously, as the pandemic started, uh, this was not possible anymore. So for me, it was a, a great challenge, no? In fact, I was, one of the objectives uh, while I was in the hiring process was that I, I needed to transform not just the APJ team, but also the teams in EMEA and Americas to be less event-focused, no? And on that regard, the pandemic helped me, no, because there was no other option to start switching to another another formula. But yeah, traditionally, what we've been doing, at least in our division in, in 3D printing at HP, was mostly face-to-face uh, events. Got it. So that obviously, you know, like a lot of other businesses has changed to hybrid or sorry, or to digital mainly mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and through webinars and, and virtual conferences and so on and so forth. What, you know, maybe I want to start with looking at these two markets. What were some of the conceptions that you had about the Japanese or the Korean market before engaging them? Probably I would say that one preconception that I have is that these markets were very resist- resistant to change. And I found that that's not, that's not true. No? And, and maybe because you have the conception of, of, 
and you see this market as, as traditional markets, you can associate that with markets that are difficult to, or, or markets where it's difficult to embrace change. And what I found is that at least from the experience that I lived, that's not true at all. On the other side, no, they are very resilient and they accept change and they manage change and uh, with a great attitude. What you need is to set clear expectations uh, and to give clear direction. And if you do so, you can navigate them, them through a change um, easily. Got it. And, and what would you say, you, you kind of manage a lot of different markets, right, mm-hmm. across the globe. What would you say is unique or, or, or different to, uh, to the Korean or the Japanese market? What have, have you come across anything? So in terms of um, marketing itself, not that much. What I found is some difference in terms of how the dynamics within the team are. No? And maybe not the strong differences, but the slight differences, especially in Japan is where I found that a little bit more, no? because there is a very hierarchical culture there. No? And um, the, it's been more challenging for me to coach my team and make them understand that, okay, we as marketers, we are here to serve sales, but to serve sales objectives, not to serve sales team, no? And the dynamics that I found in Japan were um, very, uh, that concept of, okay, marketing serving sales people, sales team, no? Uh, and also because of this very hierarchical uh, culture, no? And for me, it's been a challenge to coach and empower my team there. So to make them understand that we as marketers, we are the one who can, who need to guide and who need to propose and, and lead and, and, and put on the table what's the best strategy that will help us to hit these sales objectives, okay? Always, obviously, being aligned and being partnering with sales, but establishing this partnership relationship, not this service relationship. Got it. Okay, that's uh, that's interesting. So you you found that the the sales team in in Japan in particular was very like you got to do what we tell you, and you know you're really here just to support us. Is is that is that? What yeah, you're that type to say? of dynamic. Yeah, exactly, exactly. No, no, yeah, exactly. That type of dynamic was a bit established there. Yeah, yeah. And also got the it. fact of, of 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 so, and this is not only in Japan, no, everywhere, but in Japan, especially they. The fact that we weren't having events, it was like an ekatombe no, for the team. So because they were super used to uh, this face-to-face interaction. And the feeling when I joined the team is that we won't be able to survive without events in terms of marketing, that it was going to be super challenging to get quality leads that will become opportunities without having any face-to-face interaction at all. And we proved that wrong, no, thanks to thanks to the pandemic, quote-unquote, and also uh, all the effort that the team has done there. Got it. So what what did you find being really effective to generate those leads uh, and, uh, and and those, you know, whether it's marketing qualified leads, but really generating that that volume for you uh, mm-hmm. going, going remote and going digital? Mm-hmm. So mostly in terms of tactics, uh, webinars and uh, what we call virtual events, which um, so we tried to, we started with one of webinars, but then we, we 
now lately we are trying different formula in where we are creating like a, creating like our own digital event uh, by combining a series of, of uh, webinars with different customers, partners, etc. So in terms of tactics, webinars have been proved being able to help us to, to generate quantity of leads. But the main change that we did when we moved from face-to-face to digital is that we took the opportunity to uh, get rid of, of this concept of one-off things and start creating campaigns, no? integrated campaigns in where we are trying to take care of all these stages on the journey. So in, in where webinars are a, a relevant tactic for the for uh, uh, for the attracting uh, for attracting leads no on the lower funnel but then also we've integrated some nurturing tactics to make sure that all these people that it's coming in through these webinars that we get them to nurture through email we've also tested uh, uh, to to for the awareness stage also, we've done some, some PPC campaigns, some social. Uh, we are now testing content syndication. We are not getting yet the traction that we want to have there, but we are also exploring content syndication. So at the end, it's, it's a combination. I mean, it's not just one tactic. It's the fact that we've mm. uh, took the opportunity to build these end-to-end campaigns that are based on one segment. So in where we de- design, okay, what's the best strategy to penetrate into this segment? And we establish a set of activities. But the one that is helping us to fit this funnel, especially our uh, webinars. And webinars, I will add a point, so webinars in where we involve local customers, local case studies, relevant local case studies, no? This has been something all relevant always, and very especially in Japan and in Korea. So in other countries, you can survive with a U.S. customer story, no? In EMEA, you can use a U.S. customer story and, okay, you will get attention, you will get traction, etc. But in Japan and Korea, it's very relevant to use local case studies and local customers. And and when we do uh, these webinars, we try to invite our local customers because, yeah. Do Do you find that when you're running these webinars, you need to have a kind of outbound approach as well, meaning that you got to tell people that you're running this so that you kind of bring them to the webinar? Or really, it happens organically, and you no. put it out, and and which which no, one? No, 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 no. We wish, we wish. No, it's not happening organically. Even though, uh, so yes, obviously, having a good a good customer uh, helps. We always need to do some push outbound, and especially um, now when the where the 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 offer of webinars is that big. No, uh, if you want to cut attention for your webinar, yeah, you need to design your, your communication plan for your webinar, no? And and we have different channels. We uh, obviously we have our database and we through email marketing we 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 use these webinars to nurture our, our database and to invite people to our database. But we also have done some outbound strategies via banners, partnering with media, doing eblast via partnering with media, etc. So to get audience to our to our webinars. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. What about what about messaging? And, and so I get the fact that you know you have to have those local examples for people to be interested, right? But have you found that maybe the messaging that you use in some other part of the world that you have to drastically change it for for these two markets, or you've seen? You know what? If we just translate it and put it out there, it's it's pretty much enough uh, to uh, to get the ball rolling. The truth is that, and, and here I would say that there are differences between Japan and Korea because Korea is not that much that way. But in Japan, you need to be very factual, no, and, and straight to the point. And 
yeah, oh, the 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 narrative needs to be very very. I won't say, and especially in our case, so we are selling a complex solution technically, no. So we, we need to also to provide a rigor and 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 details on the technical side, but there are some places where you can be more creative on the narrative and put a little bit more of decoration not to your narrative but there are others where all these decorations um, uh, may, may be counterproductive so it's better to be straight factual and to the point because it's the way that they love to hear things no got it but you're saying that the the korean market it's it's a lot more in the japanese market yeah, than it is yeah, in the, uh, yeah, the korean yeah, market yeah got it okay what you know what will be some of your some of the advice that you would have you know let's say it's a marketing director or head of marketing for apj asia pacific and in, in japan and they're like you know what i just got Jap- japan added to my list or i just had korea added to the list of com- countries that i have to manage what advice would you give them to uh for them to to be aware of when they're starting to go into those markets mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so first thing don't come with any prejudgment no and 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 take your time to really understand the dynamics listen a lot to your team try to even read between lines there is a there is a bit of language barrier with apj especially with japan and korea no so even though they manage the language, you, you, you can feel that there is uh, some, some language barrier. Mm-hmm. So that requires as a manager to pay special attention, to try to understand, to try to uh, clarify and to be obsessive with, uh, with, with this clarification. No? And, um, and I would say also, and especially if you have women in your team, coach them, empower them, so that they can exploit their full potential because they have great potential, but sometimes they are not getting the recognition that they deserve. No, so put a special focus if you have a woman in your team. Right, and 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 you, you saying that because of specifically those markets, or you know, no, that's that in general. general. That's in general, eh? General. But, okay, uh, yeah. yeah, that's in general. But yeah, got it, got it, got it. Carlotta, we talked about you. You you touched on the fact that. For example, content syndication was something that didn't work as well. Are you trying to kind of figure it out and, and uh, uh, testing it out? Were there, is there anything else that comes to mind that didn't work particularly well for the Japanese and the Korean market? No, not that I can think of. No, no. The truth, no. I mean, and, and content syndication, I think that it's just a matter of time. Eh? We just started recently mm. and and. At the end, you need to find which is the best partner. So there is a learning curve, no? Until you crack the nut on your content syndication, no? And you identify which are the partners that can get, get you the leads at the quality and, and price that, that it fits your budget and your goals, no? Uh, okay. But no, besides content syndication, I, I cannot think on anything special that haven't worked. Got it. One of the advice that I've got with regards to, especially the Japanese market, is that if you're going out to to Japan and you want to sell into the Japanese market, you have to have a kind of representative or someone from your team who under, fully understands that market. In fact, they are uh-huh. they they are uh-huh. Japanese themselves, not a someone who's lived in Japan or someone who has traveled regularly to Japan. Or, no, they have to be. It has to be uh, a, someone with with Japanese ethnicity. What are your thoughts on that? 
I would agree. I would agree. So yeah, in Japan we have a, a Tinder and and uh, Japanese people, and I would agree because they can understand better the dynamics, the culture, the relationships that they, that they can establish are are better. No, and yeah, I would agree with that concept, especially for Japan. For Korea, I think you can survive with someone that is not not originally originally from Korea. But in Japan, I would say that you need uh, definitely a, a local team. Okay. Got it. Probably last question that I want to ask on, on, on this front before we jump in and do rapid fire questions is what for for Japan. So some of the other geographies in APAC, for example, Indonesia, Thailand, Malaysia, especially some of the big organizations are used to be marketed in English. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that's pretty much not the case at all for Japan. Like if you're trying to market Japan, it has to be in Japanese. Otherwise, you, you don't get any traction unless you tell me otherwise. But no, the question no. that I want is that, is that that's correct, right? With Japan, um, what about what about Korea? You know, uh, those organizations in Korea are used to being marketed in, uh, especially the you know the C level of larger organizations. Are they used to kind of being marketed in uh, in English? Or again, in order to survive mm. in that market, you gotta be uh, talking the yeah. language. Yeah, yeah, not that much. I mean, you gotta be marketing on the language, on the local language. Even though you, I mean, and as you can imagine, no, HP three printing, we, we target uh, these big accounts, no. But but at the end, you need to you need to connect with several people within this big account, no, with all your buying committee, no, and within the buying committee, you may f- have people that maybe maybe more comfortable, maybe comfortable with English, and people that not. So you will really need to uh, to have everything localized, both in Japan and Korea, and ideally, and, and it's not just localized. I mean, it's localized, and ideally, you need, to, and that's why it's relevant to have local use cases, no, because at the end. They need to see you. Uh, okay, yes, you you are HP. You are a global corporation. Uh, your headquarters are in the US, but what? But you have local presence, no? And local presence means that you have people from the country that speaks your language, and you have uh, customers in the country, you have partners in the country, so that you can you can you have this local halo, no? That uh, will help you to position better in front of your potential customers. This has been really helpful, Carlota. Is there, you know, before I kind of jump into the rapid fire questions, I got four of those I want to ask you, but is there anything else with regards to kind of marketing to the Korean and, and the uh, and the Japanese market that you think it's important that I maybe didn't ask or we didn't cover? No, I, I, well, I would add that also it's relevant when you're uh, marketing in these countries if you can join with local agencies. So part of this local flavor that you need to bring in um, requires uh, also, uh, and especially when you work at a large corporation where we have global agencies at our reach, okay, global agencies are good for some countries, but in the case of um, uh, Japan and Korea, it's far better to partner with uh, local agencies because they will have this deeper understanding of the of the market that might be relevant for your campaigns. Got it. Get those local agencies and uh, and work with them because they get they get what you're trying to do and they get yeah. the market. Okay, got it. Yeah. Sounds good. All right, Carlota, I want to ask you a couple of questions, rapid fire questions, before we wrap up the, uh, the the podcast. So the first one is, what is one resource? It could be a book, a podcast, blog, a talk, whatever it is that has fundamentally changed the way you work or live. 
So the truth is that there is no a thing, a book, a, a podcast, etc. I'm a reader. I try to read a lot and I try to read fiction and not fiction. And I can tell you that I learn same things from fiction and not fiction because it's at the end what it builds me as a, as a human and as a, a professional. But if I need to pick one thing, one book or one thing, I would pick a Purple Call from uh, Seth Godin. Got it. Okay. Thank you very much for that. Question number two is if you could give one advice to B2B marketers, what would it be? So I love uh, this sentence for or from Ogilvy that I have even on my LinkedIn profile, which is don't count the people you reach, reach the people that count. So that's my first advice. Be obsessed with targeting the right people. Love it. Don't, don't, don't chase the vanity metrics, right? Um, exactly. I love that. I love that. Question number three. Who are some of the influencers that you follow in the in the marketing space? Yeah, yeah. So, well, Seth Godin, as I mentioned, but also lately I've been following a lot Sangram Bakrif. I also like a lot what Brian Balfour and the team are doing at Reforce, and I follow uh, Reforce blog and everything they do. I like a lot also Andy Raskin, who talks about uh, strategic narrative, etc. I like a lot uh, her point of his point of view and his content. And uh, I don't know, many others, but uh, these will be the main ones. Got it. Thank you so much for that. And the last one is, what's something that excites you about B2B today? Yeah. So two things. One is ABM, no? Uh, And keep exploring about ABM is an area that uh, it's very exciting for me. And two, what I like a lot is that all this buzz uh, and uh, all this trend that we are living now on B2B in where branding seems to be again, like a big thing, no? So we've lived a, a, an area, an era, no? Some years with a heavy focus on demand gen, on performance and these type of things. But now seems that it's like a comeback from branding, no? And how branding help uh, uh, on the long term, on the medium term, and how relevant is to, and especially when the budgets are short, how relevant is to don't, Put branding aside, no, because this will kill you in the long term if you are just focused on the results and the short-term results and on the demand gen. How relevant is branding? I, I like, I like this. This. I don't know if it's because I follow a lot of people that talks about branding and maybe I have the conception that it is like a new wave. But I'm feeling that now there is a lot of discussion about uh, branding. I think you're right. No, I hear quite a lot about it as well, and a lot of people are talking about branding and. And you're right, there was the demand gen wave, and then it feels like now it's the brand wave where people are like, no, it's not all about demand gen. We've got to focus on brand. And, mm-hmm. uh, and it's definitely become a, uh, a topic of discussion a lot more than it used to. No, that's, that's fantastic. Well, uh, Carlota, I really appreciate you jumping on the, uh, on the podcast. This has been an awesome conversation, and I think a lot of our audience is going to get a lot out of it. So uh, thank you so much for, uh, for giving us your time. Thank you very much, Shahin. I really enjoyed the, this time discussing with you guys. Absolute pleasure. See ya. Thank you. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode. If you enjoyed it, please consider leaving us that five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and sharing the pod with a friend. If you'd like to continue the conversation, please make sure to join the community Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. Thanks again for all the support. We're looking forward to seeing you again in the next one.